You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Well, kia ora Great to be here with you guys again. And thank you, Pastor Bex and Pastor Steve, for having me back again. That is awesome. It's really cool to be here. Happy Father's Day, everyone. How good's that, right? Okay, so just quickly, hands up. Who got a Father's Day gift today so far? It's good. Well, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Oh, yeah. Yes, there's still time. There's still time. That's good. Getting Father's Day gifts can be quite enlightening, can't they? Uh, I have realized that sometimes it reveals the holes in our parenting. One of my children uh, a few years ago bought me gumboots for Father's Day, which was awesome because I needed gumboots. I was stoked. But one of the other kids said, did you get the right size? And the uh, first child responded, what do you mean? They're gumboots. They only come in one size. (laughs) Clearly, I have failed as a Kiwi father in educating my children on the finer points of gumboots. Or let's be honest, like footwear in general, right? There's a bit of a lack there. That's okay. Plenty of time. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look uh, at a time when Jesus educated his disciples on the finer points of a relationship with God. And we're going to jump into Luke chapter 11 in a little bit. We're going to look through that. Uh, Jesus starts with the Lord's Prayer that we're all pretty familiar with. And then he goes on, part of the same passage, part of the same teaching, he goes on and he tells a story about a friend who went to another friend at midnight to get some food because he was ill-prepared. And that's an incredibly important part of the understanding that Jesus is trying to bring us. Jesus teaches the disciples to understand who the God is that you're praying to, what to pray, how to pray, and why to pray. And we're going to look at those important questions this morning. Firstly, who are you praying to? Let me ask you that. Who are you praying to? Are you praying to God the King? Or are you praying to God, the distant cosmic creator who kind of spun things into motion and now is just sitting back watching? Or are you praying to God, the somewhat disgruntled and possibly angry judge? Or are you praying to God, the dad who just loves his kids? Secondly, what are you praying for? Are you praying for world peace? Are you praying to save the whales? Are you praying for your success, wealth, happiness, and fame? Are you praying for your will to be done or praying for his will to be done? Question three is, how do you pray? Do you pray with sacrificed animals? Please don't put your hands up if you do this morning. (laughs) Just disturb all of us. Uh, Do you pray with crawling and groveling? Do you pray with gifts and offerings? Do you pray with rote phrases like magic spells? Or do you pray with confident trust like a child chatting with their parent? And then lastly, why do you pray? Do you pray because it's good for your character? Do you pray because it's helpful for your mental health? And it is. Do you pray because you hope that it appeases a possibly angry God? Or do you pray because you believe that God is delighted with you and wants to hear what's going on in your world? Let's go to the Word of God this morning. We're going to jump into Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day, Jesus 
was praying in a certain place. Because that's what he did. When the disciples are asking Jesus to teach him how to pray, it's because they saw him praying. And they saw him doing it in a certain way that kind of was different and intriguing, and they knew that John taught his disciples to pray, and John was different and intriguing. And so they wanted to know. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. But then it goes on. Jesus doesn't stop there. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. As opposed to one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's locked, my kids and I are in bed and I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, Jesus says, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of your fathers... If, you son, if your son asks you for $5 chips and a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or, um, or if he asks for an egg, easy over, a couple of bits of bacon, a couple of hashies, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit and everything that the Holy Spirit brings into our lives to those who ask Him? This is such an important parable, such an important passage of Scripture today. So what we're going to do is we're going to start at the end and work back to the beginning. Here we go. Fourthly, that's where we're starting, fourthly, why pray? Jesus says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give? Why do we pray? Because God is good and he loves us like a dad loves his kids. Can I say this is so important? This is so foundational, this idea that God is good. We just got to get a head around this because I tell you, when you get to that point in life, and we all do at one point or another, when we start to wonder if God really is good, that's when you need to stop and get back into this and recalibrate. Because all the devil's got to do is to get you to believe that God, maybe, maybe he isn't good after all. And if there's one thing that Jesus brings again and again and again, it's that God is good at a level that you can't even comprehend how good he is. I mean, like Jesus is actually saying, you know, that God is so far beyond good, he's so far beyond kind that we don't even have an earthly example to compare it to, to illustrate it. Compared to him, Jesus says, compared to the goodness of God, the best of us are considered evil by comparison. And yet 
if we, who in comparison are evil, know still how to do good and bless our kids, how much more then? That's what he's saying. How much more then is God good? Does God love you? Is God willing to meet all of your needs? And then thirdly, how do we pray? Jesus says this in verse 8, because of your shameless audacity. It's, it's an interesting interpretation of that phrase, but there's something about that we've got to get. You see, what's most important is not a particular pattern when you pray or a particular plan when you pray. What's most important is a particular attitude right. when you pray. Yeah. An attitude that is confident, that is convinced See, see, let's go back to the story again. It's a friend who goes to a friend. It's an attitude it's like, oh, man, this guy loves me. He loves me. And I know it's midnight. I know I probably should have been better prepared. And, oh, you know, it's a little bit embarrassing. But I know this guy. He loves me. Even more importantly, the guy in bed knows the attitude. He knows that this guy totally believes in him, totally knows that he's going to get up and give him whatever he needs. You know what? We all want to be a friend like that to somebody. That when they come to us, even if it's inconvenient, that they can totally rely on us. And God's saying, come to me with that attitude. Come to me with that attitude. He illustrated this story, right? Uh, Illustrated this point by telling this story about someone who came knocking on a friend's door late at night. A few years ago, we rented a house in Iraqi. And if you came and stood on the front step and rang the doorbell there, you'd be waiting a long time. Now, the reason isn't that I don't answer the door. The reason is that the doorbell didn't work. So nobody would hear you. And I remember joking with one of our girls uh, at one point when we discussed the defunct doorbell, that what we should do is we should put a sign up that says, please push the button and shout ding dong until somebody comes. The funny thing is I actually have friends who would love that. Right, Stevie? Exactly. (laughs) Steve would just love to stand on my doorstep and shout ding-dong until someone came. Just makes me want to have a working doorbell. But in a first century Middle Eastern village, you couldn't get away with not answering the door. You wouldn't grumble and you wouldn't, well, you might grumble, but you, you wouldn't get out of giving food to your friend at midnight who's standing on your doorstep because their custom was one of unquestioning, gracious hospitality, like manakitanga. Like, that was just what was demanded in the culture. You provide whatever you can whenever anybody comes to your door. Not only that, there were some practical things here. The houses in a first century Middle Eastern village tended to be quite close together. And so if someone's standing on your front doorstep, pounding on the door and shouting for you to get up and get them something, everybody down the street knows who's not getting out of bed. And you don't want to be that guy. And look, at the end of the day, right, it's a friend coming to a friend. To grumble and stay in bed, it would be unthinkable. It just wouldn't be okay. And so Jesus is saying, that even if this friend, even if this person in bed wouldn't get up because of custom, even if they wouldn't get up because of the practicalities of what's going to happen in the village, even if they wouldn't get up because of friendship, they'll get up because of your attitude. They'll get up because of your faith in them. They'll get up because you just, 
You're not consumed by what they're going to think of you and, and uh, will they get up and second guessing them and second guessing you? No, you're going to get up because you know they trust you and that matters more than anything else. So you're going to get up. Jesus is saying that this is a picture of how we should be coming to God. It's this attitude, this, attitude, this kind of attitude, this kind of faith that we need to have in God that trusts Him unquestioningly, for that is exactly who He is for us. Amen? Okay, four, three, two. Secondly, what do we pray for? Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. And he goes on and says, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. But the key thing here is, is, is learning to pray, God, your will be done. Because we so quickly forget who's God, who's in control, who sees everything, right? Like, honestly, if we knew how good God was, if we knew how much God sees, if we remembered that God sees the end from the beginning, as Scripture says, why wouldn't we pray your will be done, your good and perfect and pleasing will? How often do we pray my will be done because I know what I want? And so we pray, God, your will be done. And we acknowledge our need of him as the one who provides for us and the one who forgives us and the one who expects us to be like him and extend that to others. And honestly, if that happens and if that catches on, there may be world pieces actually on the cards after all. And that leads us finally to the first question. Who are we praying to? And of course, Jesus starts with this phrase, our father, our dad. It's interesting if you go through the Gospels and look at all of the times that Jesus references God, he calls him Lord, he calls him King, he calls him a whole bunch of things, but 75% of the time he calls him Dad. It is the single greatest revelation to humankind of who God the Father is, that that is who he is for us. And like today's Father's Day, which is cool, right? Today when we shout out to our dads, we offer him thanks how do you thank a good father? A card, a Mitre 10 gift voucher, maybe a pair of socks. How about some of that K-Road aftershave that smells of tar and sweat and stale beer? Mm-mm. And for those people, maybe an air freshener for their car. My dad was a MacGyver who could fix anything with anything. He loved God. He regularly prayed through our house with mum. He did whatever it took to make ends meet, took us on holidays. When I woke up with nightmares, which happened with some regularity, I would shout out to my dad, and he would come into my room, and he would sit on my bed, and he would say to me, son, if the devil is hassling you this bad, God must have great plans for your life. And he would lead us all on Sunday evening devotions, which as a teenager, honestly, I hated. But it would always conclude with that prayer, that passage. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now the reality is I'm an average father and like all earthly fathers, I'm consumed with my failings and just wish I could have been better for my kids. But I recognize a good father when I see one. A good father in terms of what we've been reading is someone you can count on to come to the door and offer you whatever you need when you show up there. 
A good father offers you good things. An egg or a fish, not a snake or a scorpion or something that could hurt you. And a good father is someone who will always be there when you call on them. They're always there for the big stuff. When I left home on the stroke of 18 or thereabouts, it's funny how I reflect back and I realize that whenever I called home, if it was the big stuff, I always talked to dad. Like when I fell asleep at the wheel one night and crashed my car through a fence and knocked over a tree. And then when I finally found my way through the dark, down the road, to a house where a light was on, where I could borrow a phone, because yes, there was a time in history when you didn't carry your phone with you. It was nailed to a wall. (laughs) And then I got on that phone and called my dad, and he dragged himself out of bed and came and found me and towed me out, and then went back the next morning with me to fix the farmer's fence. Or times like as a first-year uni student when I got king hit outside a bar, one Friday night and put in hospital and I had to notify my next of kin in order to have an operation. Yes, I had an operation. You think I look rugged now. You should have seen me before the operation. <laughs> and so I rang home from the hospital and, I, and mum answered and I said, hey mum, I need to speak to dad. And she knew that when I needed to speak to dad, it was one of the big things. So as she fainted, she handed the phone <laughs> off to my dad. And they turned up the next day, flung all the way to Dunedin at horrendous cost to see me after my surgery. A good father, in Luke's view, is one who gets up and empties his fridge so you can be a good host to someone who visited you where you probably should have thought ahead. A good father is someone who comes to you in the middle of the night when you put your car through a fence. A good father was one who gets on a plane regardless of the cost and flies to wherever you are when you are in a bad state. Maybe you've known a father like that. But equally, it's important to acknowledge that maybe you haven't. I read of a woman who worked in a drug and alcohol rehab center. She said, we have all of our incoming residents fill out a questionnaire when they are admitted as addicts. One of the questions is, Describe your home life growing up in a brief paragraph. She said, sadly, 90% of them start with these words, I was raised in a good Christian home. She said, it's enough to turn you against a good Christian home. The good news is, is that we're here today because we want to change that narrative. We want to be the kind of people whose kids go on and go from strength to strength precisely because they grew up in a good Christian home. Amen? Amen. So I hear this today. See, Jesus began with his his prayer with Father, not because he wanted people necessarily to equate God with their human fathers. God knows and we know that human beings and human parents can hurt as well as heal. Jesus prayed, Our Father... Because while realizing that God's identity and purposes exceed our ability to understand them, he knew that as human beings, with our limited knowledge, with our limited capacity, we need to make comparisons between God and something that we know so that we can project onto that, that we might gain some understanding of the nature of God. And we know about family relationships. At least we know what they could be or should be. Mothers and fathers give us a picture, a glimpse of who God is. The prophet Isaiah portrays God as a mother picking up her young and carrying them when they are tired. What a beautiful picture. 
Jesus himself predicts God as a mother hen shielding her chicks under her wings protectively, speaking of how God sees us. When Jesus prayed what we now call the Lord's Prayer, commentators think that Jesus was probably remembering a daily prayer prayed in the synagogue called the Kaddish, a prayer of thanksgiving and praise to God. Let me read it to you. It says, Exalted and hallowed be his great name in the world which he created according to his will. May he let his kingdom rule in your lifetime and in your days and in the lifetime of the whole house of Israel speedily and soon. Jesus' prayer was a simpler, more direct, more personal version of that same prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day what we need. You know, as a uni student, miles away from God, when I came home to my flat so drunk that I could hardly stand before passing out, sometimes fully clothed on top of my bed in the icy cold of a Dunedin winter night, I, I find it intriguing that I always prayed that prayer. And I think it's because even when I was far from God, I believed that God was a dad who was good and who loved me and had good plans for my life. And if and when I could sort that out and I would choose to trust him and come to him like a child comes to its parent, that he would always be there for me. When I was lost and lonely, that is the God that I pray to. When people called upon Jesus, as we read it in the scriptures, who did they meet? What was their experience? When his disciples, panicking in a storm, in a boat, called out, help us, we're going to drown. Who did they find? When Jairus, a leader in the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, begging him to come and see his 12-year-old girl who was dying, what did he find? When a woman fell at Jesus' feet and begged for mercy, I have suffered from bleeding for 12 years. How did God respond? And when a leper who had suffered physical pain, the fear of living with a terminal illness, social isolation for years, when he fell at Jesus' feet and asked, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. What did he experience? They experienced a God who stretched out his hand and calmed the storm, who brought the dead back to life, who ended the suffering, and who put his hand on the leper and said, I do choose be made clean. When they called upon him, when they knocked at his door, they were met by a person who had what they needed and who gave it gladly. And so here we are on Father's Day. Father's Day is a great day for several reasons. Uh, it's, it's great because very often it bolsters my sock drawer. But it also reminds me of who I am praying to and who I'm trying to become like. What's our takeaway today? Jesus points to a father who is honored, hallowed be your name, who has good plans, your kingdom come, who is dependable, give us today our daily bread, and who is kind and gracious, forgive us our sins. And this is the God to whom Jesus prayed. And this is the God to whom Jesus taught us to pray because he prayed to him early in the morning in a quiet place, late in the evening alone on a mountain after a crazy busy day. 
by himself in a garden while the footsteps of his betrayers approached and his closest friends on earth lay sleeping. Jesus prayed to that God. We'll get the team to come now as we come to a close. Who are those people who receive what they ask for, who find what they are looking for, who experience doors that open and requests that are granted? They are those who ask and ask and ask and seek and seek and seek and knock and knock and knock because they know God is good and that he loves them. And they have this almost cheeky, totally trusting attitude that enables them to just go to God as a small child just goes to his dad or her dad and trust and be and ask. How desperate are we and how desperate is the world to know a God like that? There's a Spanish story of a father and a son who had become estranged. Let me read it to you. The son ran away, and the father set off to find him. He searched for months to no avail. And finally, in a last desperate effort to find him, the father put an ad in a Madrid newspaper. The ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, so the story goes, over 800 Pacos turned up looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. I tell you, your heavenly father is looking for you waiting for you with a message. Come, meet with me. All is forgiven. I love you. If you're here today and you don't know that God, or you don't know God like that, maybe you've never taken that step of putting your faith and trust in Jesus, giving Him your life, inviting Him into your world, or maybe you have but things have drifted, and, and if you're honest, you know you're not right with God. I want to speak to you just for a moment. In John 3.16, it says that, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believed in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. See, God loves you, and He wants you to know Him and experience Him and His plan for your life. But the Bible also says in Romans chapter 3, that all of us have sinned. You, me, everyone, all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, short of God's standard for our lives. And that's exactly why Jesus Christ came, the way, the truth, and the life, and died on that cross 2,000 years ago to pay for our sin, to make that right, that we could be forgiven by God, that God might, in His grace, wipe all of that away because He so much wants to know us and love us. In John chapter 1, it says, to all those who received him, that still astonishes me, to all those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Is that you today? Is it time? Time for you to come home. Time for you to get right with God. 
if it is, I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. You can just pray that to God from your heart, right where you're sitting, right now. Come on, let's close our eyes and bow our heads for a moment. Let me invite you, if that's you, why don't you pray this to God right now? Here we go. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. I admit that I am a sinner and that I have fallen short of your standard in my life. And it is my sin that keeps me separated from knowing you. But today I choose to believe that Jesus, you died on that cross for me too. And that Father, you have already forgiven me. Today I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my life. Make all things new in me. I commit myself to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If we keep our heads bowed and eyes closed just for one more moment, because I want to ask you, if you prayed that prayer today, if you got right with God, I would love, just love to pray for you. And I don't want to call you out or just stand up or anything. But I do want you to make a, just take a small step of faith. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask all those people who prayed that prayer just to lift, lift their hands up, give me your wave, pull it back down. I just want to know who I'm praying for. And when you lift up your hand, you're just saying, yeah, Mike, include me in that prayer. Would you do that? And I would just count it a huge privilege to pray for you. And the Bible says that, that when one person makes a decision like that, a decision that I made in a gas station on Manukau Road when I was 22 years old. It says there's more partying going on in heaven over that than 99 people who have already made it. So if that's you, if you made that decision, if you prayed that prayer today, if you got right with God, right now would you put your hand up like this and give me a wave just so I can see it, then you can pull your hand back down. Just as I'm looking across, if there's anybody here, just give me a wave. God bless you, bro. That is amazing. You can put your hand back now. That is awesome. God bless you. That is fantastic. Is there anyone else here saying, yeah, Mike, I prayed that prayer. God bless you, sister. That is amazing. Wonderful. Anybody else here prayed that prayer saying, yeah, Mike, that was me. Would you include me? God bless you, sir. That's amazing. Hallelujah. Come on, church, let's pray. Mighty God, I thank you for every person here, God, who prayed that prayer today, who made that decision of all decisions. And Jesus, I just, I want to ask you to do the same thing. I know David prayed that, that you would command your angels concerning these ones, God. Just, just wrap them around, guard and protect them, God. I pray that as they go out of this place, God, they will go and that the grass will be a little bit greener, the sky will be a little bit bluer because everything is new in their lives. And God, I pray that you'll bless them, God, that you'll surprise them with your goodness. And God, we commit them into your loving care, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing and have done in their lives today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.